Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Survivor's Podcast. I got a really cool show for you here. I'll go ahead and let my guest introduce himself. Uh, my name is Worth Byslein. All right, Worth, and where you come from? Uh, right now, I'm in Long Beach, but I grew up in Colorado City, yep. Utah, okay. Colorado City, Arizona. So. Wow. How long did you live down there? Um, until I was 17. Um, then I moved out to a farm, but technically I was there till I was 25. So okay. there on the weekends and stuff. Okay. Did you officially leave the FLDS when you were 25? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I was kicked out, but oh, you yes. were kicked out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, how old are you now? I am 32. Okay. Gotcha. I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting? Yeah. Right. No, you lose track after like 18. It's like, yeah. oh, whatever. Yeah. 21, anything like that. All right, real quick, um, let's go ahead and talk about your family. Um, did your dad have more than one wife? All those good stuff. Yeah, so my, my dad had three wives. Um, growing up, it's, it's my, my very earliest memory, two years old, sitting in a high chair and watching my dad walk in with my second mom. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was two when that happened. So pretty much my entire life, I've, I've had two moms. I'm the, I mean, obviously, I'm from the first mom, but... Um, they got along amazingly. They're amazing people. Um, and it wasn't until a lot of years after I left that I actually realized that was kind of the exception more than the rule. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I never, I never saw my parents fight or even have really have negative interactions with each other whatsoever. I, I know that went on, but it was behind. Like we never could see it. Okay. So, so that was your norm when, when, Maybe later on in life you realized, oh, wow, it's not really how it is. Usually families fight. Usually the mom and the dad and the moms don't get along. Yeah, definitely. You know, my, my dad's the most disciplined person I know, um, most honest guy I know, and he just, he ran things like a ship. Mm. <laughs> he just mm -hmm. he had everything in its place and everything worked accordingly, so. Okay, gotcha. And what do you do for work? So he had his own business um and kind of him along with the with the airport board oh. he was kind of the instrumental person in putting the airport out in colorado city okay so he he worked for the city as the airport manager and he had his own business as like a airplane mechanic and stuff like that okay. but before that he was an airline pilot so. oh was he oh wow yes okay okay very cool uh what are your parents names if you don't mind so my dad's name is Liddell Beislein Sr. Okay. And my mother is Deborah Meldrum Beislein. So. Okay. Okay. So um, how does it work being the the first um, the first mom's kids? Like you get you're on that birth certificate and stuff like that, right? Because the second mom won't have that ability to be like, that's this is the father in la di da. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I could ask my brothers, but. Mm. Yeah, I'm on the birth certificate. My dad's on my birth certificate, stuff like that. So gotcha. I'm not exactly sure how they went about that. Gotcha, so gotcha. I, I know my mom was the only one that's legally married. So Okay, so growing up down in uh, Colorado City, you went to public school? Yes, I went to public school till fifth grade. Okay, so who who was the prophet uh, in your young age? Uh, it was Roland Jeffs. It was Roland. Because um, he was fine with public school, more or less, correct? Yes, to a certain extent. I know that in Salt Lake, they had the Alta Academy and their own mm -hmm. thing going on up there. But the thing about the public school in Colorado City is I mean, 90% of 
or I, more than that, 95% of the people there were FLES, the teachers, True. stuff like that. So True. Okay. So after fifth grade, what happens? So my dad was looking into uh, supporting his brother's private school. They had, and so some of my siblings, my younger siblings had pulled out of public school the year before mm-hmm. and gone to a school there in town called Mountain View. Okay. And so after fifth grade, instead of going to the junior high school, I, I moved over to Mountain View where I went for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and that was, uh, coincidentally, that was the year before everyone was told to pull out of the public schools. Oh, wow. So, so you barely yes. finished that in time. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, grade school. Right. Everybody right. else had a blast at, uh, I don't know, tearing it up at junior high. Yeah. Right here. So, <laughs> so you, didn't, you didn't go to junior high? Well, I went to 6th, 7th, and 8th at okay. the Mountain View. So high school, no. So, no, I did go to high school as well. Oh. My, my, my dad was big on school. We, we okay. begged to not go to school. I wanted to go work with my brothers. I wanted to start my life. Right. Stuff like that. But, I mean, every one of us went through this phase where we'd ask our dad, hey, I want to do correspondence. And he's like, no, not a chance. Oh. <laughs> not a chance. I know how correspondence works. Oh, wow. You okay. You go do your thing and you don't. You, you, you don't do the work. That's just what happens when you get distracted. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean, my parents had college degrees. That's oh, that's why they cool. they pushed education okay. very hardcore. And we had encyclopedias in our home that I read those for entertainment and <laughs> stuff like that. So Wow. It's a different world down there. Um, so because usually what I hear is, oh, I went to fifth grade and then my dad started making me work on the farm or started making me do construction and framing. So your story is a little bit different in the fact that they pushed education. And um, did you take education further after you left? Um, as of now, yes. So so in high school, I actually only went to 10th grade. Okay. But I did every class that I could. Gotcha. And, and actually the high school I went to, so it was called um, Uzona. Um, you've, you've probably heard mention of Fred Jessup. Yes. So it was actually his school. He's the one that started that one. Okay. And all of the certified high school teachers were teaching there. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that little golden period where, yes, it was a private religious school, but I was able to get top quality education from them. Yeah. And I could have, I could have gone for one more year, um, and taken like typing and English three or something, but I didn't want to. Okay. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so let's talk about, so growing up down there as a kid, what do you guys do for fun? Hiking. <laughs> we, so we, we lived by the, the East mountain oh. in Colorado city. And a lot of the town was actually superstitious about that mountain. Something about the Gadiant robbers oh, living right. up there, yep. something like that. that. And, <laughs> Yeah, so we called it ours. It was our mountain, and, and all, none of our friends dared to hike it, mm. and so we hiked it, and we we did a lot of free climbing on the cliffs up there, and wow. we wouldn't let our dad know that. He, <laughs> he, he banned us from that, so it feels like we were hiking on that mountain every single day, wow. and awesome. kind of lived out the airport, you know, watching mm. air, airplane videos, and welding, and messing with all my dad's tools, and helping him work on airplanes, and so... It was it was actually a very fulfilling childhood. Okay, cool, very cool. Um, yeah, that that uh, the Gadiant and robbers. I heard that if you go up to that mountain, you be you don't come back. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I had a lot of stories, <laughs> you know, even my older brother, you know, talking about being up there and reading the Book of Mormon and seeing one of his friends that had passed away a couple months before and stuff oh, like that. I, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That's and and I've uh, we've snuck up that mountain in the middle of the night to scare somebody. I, I think I was eight years old, oh. and some of our, some of our friends were my my brothers and uncles were camped up there, and we were gonna sneak up in the middle of the night to scare them. And we get halfway up the mountain, and my brother says, "Hey, I'm uh I, I forgot something. I need to go home and get some M80s or something." And so he left me on the side of this mountain. You're eight years old. At like midnight, <laughs> uh, I remember just. The ins- I was I was so scared of the You're dark. Freaking out, probably. <laughs> I don't blame you, especially on that mountain. That's like the big no nos. Two big no nos. Yeah, I mean it, that didn't really bug me, but we were just super superstitious, you know. And mm-hmm. and my my family, the branch of my family, the Bicelines were kind of known as the rugged outdoors, oh, crazy gotcha. hiking people. So, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, let's go into um, so. How much do you remember about the transition between Rulin and Warren? I mean, very much. I, I, you know, even even while growing up the way I did, there was. I, I was thinking about this before this podcast started, and there was there's a definite divide between the way my father thought about, say, Warren, mm. and the way I thought because. Through the 90s, yeah, I was going to public school. I was doing all this stuff. But at home, Roland was putting out these music CDs. And Warren was singing solos on some of those. And they were, like, I was going to sleep every night. And my family's very musical, very musically oriented. My dad played guitar. And so, so music really spoke to me. <laughs> yeah, so music really spoke to me. And there was definite, definite pointers towards Warren back in the 90s and it was it was kind of a seamless transition in my mind just Roland pointing to Warren and this one step at a time and then him being his spokesman and then him you know up up until Roland died and then it was definitely Warren there's no question about it okay so let's get into some like let's get in deep into this part um okay so I don't. I don't know if you know at this point, but Rulin, or sorry, Warren basically started putting himself in that position, right? Like, have you heard that? I mean, I've heard that, but I didn't see that as a right. kid, right? right? Like, like it's it's a different thing. What I saw as a kid and what I've heard now. Correct. So my my personal experience of it was that you know, Rulin was the way it was told to me and the way I believed it and all this stuff was, you know, Rulin was putting Warren out there. Like okay. that, but now it's like okay. Now the way I hear it from people around there was, yeah, Warren was putting himself out there, and yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't have definite proof of either. Right. One. But right. But, but so. growing up as a young kid, so what do you remember seeing specifically during that transition time? Rulin was really, really sick. He was bedridden. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, my family saw Rulin more than most because he was flying into the airport in the Learjet and we were staying out the airport all the time. So we got to see him every time he came through and we'd shake his hand and, and Warren was with him a lot. And some of these men around him, you know, Wendell Nielsen and people like that. And it was just this kind of exciting thing to see them fly in and see who was with them. And then, yeah. So 
I forgot your I forgot your question. Well, Sorry. I was going to go into that real quick. Do, do does he have his own airplane or how? What were you talking about with that? No, no, they were they were chartered. They chartered a plane. They had some businesses in town charter a Learjet that flew rolling back and forth every time he came down. Where is he going though? Like he's so old. He, he's <laughs> basically he lived in Salt Lake. Okay. And he was flying down to Colorado City oh. or or Short Creek as they say as well. Yeah. Uh, to go to meetings and stuff like that, and to meet with the people down there. Okay. So that's like it's like me. It's like putting. As a little kid, you're you're looking. That's that's your leader, right? So every time you see him, it's such a pleasure for you, and you're so you're so lucky to be able to see him. And so as often as you saw him, you probably thought you were really dang cool. Absolutely. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my and my uh, reputation was everything to me. That was mm. what what people thought of me was a big deal to me back then. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I definitely had that all out on a pedestal. Oh, there you go. Yeah, guess who I saw yes. today. <laughs> Well, we were we were told to not talk about it. Why? Um, just because his movements weren't supposed to be common knowledge, and it was like keep sacred things secret type of stuff. And, okay. and you know, it's just my dad was like, you know, just just keep your mouth shut. Don't don't be a loud mouth. You know, yeah. you don't have to go tell the whole neighborhood. You know, stuff like, like that. You're like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we of course we still told our close friends. But right, 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 right. It hinting at it like, oh, we're cool. <laughs> So yeah. how how often was Warren traveling with Rulin back and forth? Initially, not often. Actually, um, I I don't see, and, and it might have been more often than I realized because I knew of him, but he wasn't like this super prominent figure, right. you know, right. until a little bit later on. So he was there occasionally, okay. and I mean, I remember all of his daughters coming out there to meet him once or twice and that might have been later on and i definitely put his family on a pedestal as well warrens yeah okay so was like rachel part of those like you met rachel a lot or anything no i mean we of course we never talked to him oh they're like they're off limits like oh, crazy. like yeah mm. you just sit there and just like, idolize these people on a pedestal like they must be perfect wow wow <laughs> and then so have you read rachel's book at all no, I I need to. I'm okay. uh, so you're I not opposed to reading it. it. On, uh, I think I have it on Audible, but okay. I haven't actually listened to it yet. You're gonna need to buckle up for that one. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. um, how much do you know and believe that the outsiders are now saying about Warren and his life? Um, I mean, I know quite a bit. I've I've read a bunch of his journals and stuff like that. So. I mean, of course, I believe it. It's 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 crazy, and it's been a huge transition to come full circle to that. It's imagine. just it's it's so hard to comprehend, though. It's so hard to comprehend being there, experiencing what I experienced, and then finding out, you know, there was this dark side to it the entire time. Without you know, it's it's crazy, and and especially without having personal experience of course when the first accounts come out you're like no way yeah no no, no. they're, no they're trying to destroy the the profit <laughs> yeah that's what they're told <laughs> yeah yeah so it takes a it's a huge process turning that so you said you read his journals how do you have access to that just online oh can i anybody can just google warren jeff's journals yeah who posted, yeah, yeah, do like you know who posted those the, what's that do you know who posted those i don't you know it's probably I mean, it has to do with the raid in Texas when they oh, okay. took all this stuff, something like that. I don't know They're if online. I want to read those, though. That's probably a little bit 
earth shaking a little bit. Even I'm not well, even associated. It, it is, and it and it's still like I mean, we were told back then, like if you if you read some of these mm-hmm. things, like you're done, like you're you can never yeah come back from that at all. And and even being gone for as long as I have, that still plays a part. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into that. Why do you think that still plays a part? Like you've been out for six, seven years, right? And at this point, that's still that's still part of who you are. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the subconscious, mm. you know, stuff that you stuff that my entire life I was kind of trained to feel a certain way about, right? And then it just it that's a hard thing to get past, and and you know we go through the day and we do a lot of things that we don't even think about that we have no idea why we do it, and sometimes we'll justify them to people when we don't even know, right? We really don't know why, so yeah, that's that's kind of like one of those things, and and it's like this podcast, you know, actually coming on here, mm. it's like one of those things, like no, no, don't do it, don't do it, because you know, putting yourself out there and talking about things that some people might take offense towards and some people might look at me differently for saying that mm-hmm. or being that person and you know you can hide that who you really are but it eventually it's like you know I, I don't care Here, yeah. here's who I am good good like it or lump it you know so right yeah and I can't imagine like so growing up everything's so top secret right you're told oh so it's like you're saying earlier you're told not to to talk loud about oh I saw guess who I saw today I saw ruling you're not supposed to say that so now that you're getting at your Ask, being asked to speak on a podcast that has to like that that lingers in your mind and you have to get past that to a point where you're like do I care or do I not care <laughs> definitely I mean and, and I'm past it to a large extent you know mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a process and you find things that pop up every now and again mm-hmm. but when I mean I say I'm past it but yes this podcast was a there there's definitely is some stuff tied to that right um the other half of it is just going in front of people right like that's right you know putting your voice out there being vulnerable so right, yeah. it's hard to say how much of each plays a part yeah for sure right for sure um so let's go back to the journals you read the journals online um how long after did you left did you read those and did you like were you hesitant on reading them when you started to read them Oh, definitely. Definitely hesitant to start reading them. And it's really only been about six or eight months. Oh, okay. And I've, I've been out since 2011. So Right. Yeah. So like, you, okay. probably, I, I don't know. It might have been a year ago I started reading them. Oh, wow. Just curiosity killed the cat type oh, yeah. stuff. Are you, are you glad you kind of read them or are you still? Yeah, you... definitely. No, no. It's, it's super interesting. It's super interesting. You know, I have no, I have no regrets about that or no, uh, you know, there's, there's one there's one lingering feeling about those. Okay. And that is like most of my family is still in. Oh. Right. And so it's like, Oh, worth read those journals. And now he's like, now he's even more off limits to us. You're the most, you're like the ultimate apostate. Yeah. Yeah. At that (laughs) point. Right. Like, so that's kind of the one lingering Mm. thing tied to those. The rest of it, I don't care. Like my family being there, that, that holds a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into that a little bit? So um, how many people are, is it easier to ask how many people are out than how many people are still in from your family? <laughs> and how many people are on the fence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, let's see. So there's really like out, out. There's really, I think four of us. Oh, wow. 
five of us actually five of us that are that are completely out um so i have an older brother that left a lot of years ago um i think like 2004 2005 sometime somewhere in there okay um and then i didn't talk to him for probably 10 years i can't imagine what he went through you know he was he was pretty alone and then i had a little sister that left um and I, I didn't even realize this, but it was it was a month before I was kicked out. But I didn't talk to her for a year or so because uh, she left on her own. Okay. So she's this apostate. Okay. And then I just get kicked out. So I'm working to come back. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching movies every night <laughs> to survive. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so that there's those three of us, and then my second mom has. Um, two sons that are out. Okay. Basically, I've, I've one of my younger brothers got married a little bit ago, and you know, now now the new leaving is like, oh, like their girlfriend's pregnant. It's like they're <laughs> they're done. That's so true. That's so, can, so you, true. You can <laughs> you can ride the fence for a long time, but eventually it's like, no, nope, you can't hide that. No, nope. <laughs> you got nine months to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to go through and I see that, but I, I really like, I look at getting kicked out. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Do you want to get, let's get, let's go straight into that. Let's go into that story. Uh, okay. I mean, that's a, there's a lot of stuff leading up to that story. Oh, so then let's lead up to it. You go, you take the lead on this one. Oh, okay. So when I was 17, I moved out to a farm, um, in uh, Pony Springs, Nevada. And basically I was there from the ground up. It was, we just started leasing it. I guess it was kind of a, at the time it was kind of a secret. It it was supposed to be kind of one of these refuge type places in a way, I think. Okay. It's kind of everything that the church did at that time was secret Mm. and just keep it under wraps type of a thing. So I moved out there with, one of my uncles and my younger brother. So there's three of us. And then my mom's, okay. So my uncle was running the place, but he's, he's married to my mom's sister Okay. from her second mom. So that's <laughs> <laughs> super obvious. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so I, I lived out there for eight years and I was kind of separated from the town. And this was right in the middle of when Warren started Texas and all of this, when it started crimping down super hard mm. on the people in the town, okay. I was a little bit removed from that. I was out on this farm, just working every day, having the time of my life. Mm-hmm. And the second year, I mean, that winter I kind of went crazy because there was nothing to do during the winter. So I ended up moving to Burl, Utah and milking cows. Everybody thought I was crazy that I asked to do that. You asked for that? Yeah, I was going crazy out on the, it's like uh, out in the middle of nowhere, there's snow everywhere, and we're cleaning the shop every day. Yeah, it's, boring. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I went to Burl for a year, built still buildings, and milked cows, and then they started building a potato plant out on that farm, and that's when I moved back out there, because I was part of the steel building crew, and and there was some other men from, some other families that had moved out to the farm, and they were they were an entirely different culture from what I grew up with. They were like my reputation meant everything to me. I was super careful about what I did and what I said, and like I 
for lack of a better term, I sucked up to the leaders big time. Mm, and that it. included my bosses and whoever was over me. Gotcha. And then some of these other families come out there and they're just, they're kind of little shits, you know, they don't care. <laughs> they do whatever they want. Right. And, and not only that, they're more productive that way. Mm-hmm. Like they they get more done and they throw their weight around a little bit and they're mm-hmm. having way more fun than I'm having. It's like, what's that about? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, through there was, I, okay. So I fell in love with a girl okay. that was from one of these families and, it's kind of one of these long cricker dating type things where, you know, five years into it, I hugged her for the first time. <laughs> yep. So I've heard right, that. So, and, and it was just like, a, the, the way I can describe it is like, uh, unstoppable force meets immovable object mm-hmm. because I was completely converted to this religion. I believed that every time I spent time with her, it was like death. Mm-hmm but it was also heaven at the same time. Yeah. So, and so I would go away from those and I would just regret and just beat myself up for ever. And then, yeah. So I was just this huge roller coaster ride Mm -hmm. and that kind of culminated six years later into, you know, going in front of Lyle Jeff's like they were doing the, they were doing the UO, the United order at Mm -hmm. the time. And everybody was going in and confessing and, I waited till the last minute to do mine. I finally got the call, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I I figured I was done at that time, you know, like we hadn't done anything really. Right. Like we were just, we were super innocent. Yeah. But just the fact that I had a girlfriend and also here's another part of it. Um, these, these super interesting things that, that I, are kind of big in my mind. Um, When I was out to Colorado City, I I lied a lot. I was a really, I thought I was a good liar. I was a really (laughs) shitty liar. Um, But I was, I I would say too smart for my own good. Like I thought I was smarter than I really was. Yeah. And so I got in trouble a lot. And when I moved out onto the farm, that was kind of like a new beginning for me. And I vowed, like, I will never lie again. Okay. And so... Well, that commenced to get me in trouble a lot because, oh. you know, people would ask me about, hey, like my uncle would come to me and what about this? Here's what I think you did last night, you know, and I would just spill my guts <laughs> and, oh man, she hated that so bad. Mm. She's like, you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't need to tell <laughs> on that. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. You know, it just, yeah, little things. And, see, and that's actually harder on me than say like Warren's journals because, that was somebody that I was super close to, and I thought that it, to spill my guts was better off for us than to, I mean, it's like looking at the eternal picture. Like, this is this is better for us, but really, I was breaking a trust, mm. and that's super hard to deal with later on when it's like, I just, I just broke this trust over and over and over again, and mm. it's, that's really what you have is this personal relationship with people around you, and stuff like that so so yeah that I I went into Lyle had this whole interview with him Um, he trying to remember so so we had these papers we had to write down the answers to these questions and these questions are like do you pray in everything you do do you only think pure thoughts Mm. of course to that I'm like no (laughs) I'm a boy (laughs) yeah yeah and 
but that's super hard to write that on that paper knowing you're gonna get yeah that's another level you know, right there yeah so i go in there to lyle um there's there's three other men in there besides him and he takes that paper and he's like so you put no on you don't think pure thoughts so uh what's going on there yeah and i mean we we laughed through our, through my entire interview we really did i just uh, something that i said about my relationship with this girl and he's like what what does that even mean i've never even heard of that oh. and so we, we were just <laughs> laughing and i mean i knew i was screwed mm. i knew i was done but um then he this is this is the interesting part about it so i because we hadn't really done anything i kind of think that most of the reason i got kicked out is after that he pressured me really hard to tell on other people on the farm his wording was great and now i get the inside scoop on pony pony sprints yeah he's like tell me about it and i and i here's the the interesting thing about it is like a week before i'd been listening to one of warren's teachings Mm -hmm. and he talked about one of these very scenarios where somebody was asked to tell on somebody else and they wouldn't do it and that was one of the most beautiful things he'd ever seen so i was using that and like yeah like warren's teachings versus lyle trying to get me to say yeah. this and i just i used that against him in a way and kind of got kicked out for it i guess so what do you so did how did you get kicked out for what he didn't say he didn't say he just said so basically he pressured me to tell on people for probably 20 minutes and i just said i'm the way i feel those are amazing people out there and i'm the worst one really mm. i'm really the worst one and he's like, yeah, but I've heard about this situation. And I'm like, well, I wasn't there on that situation. So I don't really know. And I love that person, you know. Yeah. So he, he eventually said, okay, all right. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, you need to gather up all of your stuff and leave. Go as far away as you can. Stay away from people that have been kicked out. Stay away from priesthood people. Stay away from apostates. And just move away. And be gone tonight. Wow. And this was about 3 p.m. And uh, I was at I was at Colorado City, so I had to gather up my stuff from there. I had to drive out to the farm, which was 180 miles away. Wow. And gather up my stuff from there, and I had to figure out a place to go, and I had to have that all done before midnight. So. Wow. One thing that I do appreciate that, you know, not a lot of other people got, I think. He said, so do you have money? I mean, at this point, I've been turning in a thousand bucks a month wow, for yep. as much as I could. I was I was bled dry basically. Yep. So I wasn't getting paid a lot, and I said, "Yeah, I have money." He's like, "How much?" I think I had like two hundred bucks. Uh-huh. And so I was like two hundred, and he told us he turned to one of the guys and says, "Go pull three. And so yeah, they went and grabbed three thousand cash and gave what? it to me. Yeah. What? That's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. Yep. They're trying to help you get. I'm so that doesn't. I'm so confused. I I think a lot of it probably had to do with um, maybe my reputation and my brother was actually close to Lyle. Actually worked directly under him. Oh wow! It's 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 really interesting. I just talked to my brother two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and we we were talking about. I I told him a little bit about that, and he says, "Yeah, you know." He's like, "Yeah, Lyle really liked you." Oh, wow. and I was like, I mean, it just—it's just like this little things that just kind of still mess with me a little bit. It's like, 
okay, whatever. You know, like, yeah. like half of it's like, cool, you know, somebody likes me. And then the other half is like, why? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Super, super confusing emotions. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you get, he, he gives you cash, three, three grand in cash. That, yes. that time right then. Boom. Yep. Where are they keeping that cash? Just in the meeting? Yeah, he, they just walked in another room and grabbed it. You know, and, and he the, the thing is the way he left it he was he was pretty cold you know he was pretty just we were laughing through the entire thing but it was there was definitely the sinister side to it right, right? And, and he was basically like yeah well have a nice life type of type of attitude wow. and then one of the other men spoke up and was basically like hey I, I I know you can be back I know this I know you're a good person you can figure this out and you know and kind of gave me this encouragement that kept me on the hook for a little bit longer yeah. I guess <laughs> <laughs> all right so you have you have essentially however many hours left in that day till you got to leave so what's the next few hours like well first thing I did when I walked out and you know granted so uh, this this relationship that I'd had with this girl um, it had kind of ended uh, probably six months before this, you know, just roller coasters getting super tight, you know, the all this pressure. So it basically, it had basically ended. So, but she was the first person I called when I walked out of there. Okay. And because she had been basically, she's like, call me and let me know how this goes, you know. Oh, and right. So I called her, and she's she's like, so how did it go? And and I'm in shock. I'm numb, of course, mm -hmm. and. I told her just the worst, and I, I can still hear this. I just her being like, no, no, uh, no. no, yeah, yeah. So um, I went home. The, the next little bit was kind of a blur. I went to the, I went to my home, saw Lud, my older brother, mm. and uh, he's he's like, you just had your interview, huh? I'm like, yeah. It's like your first one or your second one. I'm like, it's my first one. He's like, I don't, you know. I mean, he he fully expected me to be in the UO, like the oh, stuff like that. Like wow. everybody did. Okay. Everybody, everybody, my family did. Everybody on the farm probably not because <laughs> they they knew me. Yeah. Um, but I was I was, I was. Let's put it this way: I was really good at being two faced. Mm. I'll say that. Okay. Um, so uh, I gathered up. I didn't have very much stuff at the creek. I saw my mom. Basically, told her, yeah, I'm I'm going. And she's one of the most stoic people I know. Wow. Yeah. So she she's like, well, this is the best thing to happen. Wow. That's got to hurt. Not really, because I, I knew her. Oh. I knew her and I knew what that meant. You that's know, it's fair. it's like, I, I, that's her my whole life, right? Like, mm. now thinking about it, it hurts worse than it did then. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Right, so, you know, especially... I, I have a son. I have a three-year-old son, especially having him. Mm. And then, like, the emotions I go through with him and thinking, like, my, my parents, what? Yeah, like, that's a whole, yeah, yeah that, that'd be, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's when it changes it a little bit. So, yeah, um, so yeah, I, I told her, yeah, I'm going. She's like, the best thing to happen, you know, got faith in you, all the stuff. I'm like, hey, and I, but I was in a hurry. I threw all my stuff in. I, I, I don't even remember saying bye to most of my family. I just... Wow. I just wanted to get on with it, and yeah, told. I think I told Lud that I was I was leaving, and he was like, oh, 
dang, you know, like it kind of surprised him. And mm. I got him, moved out to the farm, or sorry, I went out to the farm and borrowed a trailer. Uh, there was a there was a farm about eighty miles north of that farm where I kind of had a standing invitation to work. Okay. So I'm, I was thought, yeah, this is this is a wrap. I'll throw all my stuff on there and move up there. Yeah. And the thing is, is one of my friends had gotten kicked out the week before, and he had moved up there and taken that job. Oh. And in the middle of the winter, this was in November. Wow. And so. I called them and they're like, "Uh, oh, we're stretching our budget having him in the winter, so stick around till spring indefinitely." Wow. So that that was kind of my pseudo plan in a way. I didn't think I could stick around till spring. I knew how I go crazy in the winters yep. without anything to do. Right. But I moved up to his house. Took all my stuff up there um and dropped it all. I was there for 2 weeks. Okay. I think before before I moved off of that, so that's kind of when I got kicked out. Um, I, I guess I guess there's actually more to it because I was I was there for two weeks. Part of this was uh, on the farm. We built some hay presses. These are for exporting hay. Okay. And we we built four of these machines, and most of them ended up going down to the port in Long Beach, California. Okay. And I was going down there every week. Because I was kind of the I was the electrician. Okay. I, I did the electrical system on these, and to be the maintenance and warranty guy. Okay. So so when I called my uncle that was in charge of the farm and told him when I was on my way back out there to gather my stuff and leave, called him and said, "Hey, I got I got kicked out and or I was asked to leave, and so basically I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. Can't work for him anymore." Wow. And he said, "Well, we we need somebody in California." To be, we need somebody to live in LA and just be the maintenance guy on these, the warranty guy. And I kind of told him to pound sand because I wasn't going to go live in LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not from, not from the farm. Right. So, uh, I, that's when I went up to that house. I was there for two weeks, and then that invitation was extended to me again. Okay. And I was, I was going crazy out there. So again, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But it was, it was kind of like this temporary thing. Go down there and fix this one problem. All the men were called to go to this special priesthood meeting thing at the Crick, and then a machine had a problem in Long Beach simultaneously. So they're like, hey, will you go take care of this so we can all go to this all-call meeting or whatever. So I came down there, and on the way down there, one of the men called me and said, hey, what they really want is somebody permanently working for them, taking care of that machine. And so at at that point, I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. I'll do it. Mm. And I've been down here ever since. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. is it? Are, is this company that you're um, now working for associated with FLDS, or how do they have that tie where you were kicked out? So is it that second farm that you're saying that you went to that is associated? That that's how you have the job? No, it wasn't the second farm. This was the first farm. Oh, okay. um, so there's a, there's a couple loopholes here. Okay. All right. the The first loophole is. Yes, yes, it, the, the company was FLDS. The farm was FLDS. Okay. And the loophole was, well, these machines are in California. FLDS are technically supposed to stay out of California at this point. Why? I never heard that. Oh, man, it, it, it happened all the time. It was, <laughs> you know, I, I remember ruling way back in the 90s, early 2000s, and just saying, you know, California is a really wicked place. It's going to be 
when the destructions hit, most of it's going to slough off into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Stay away from that place. Okay. But and we would we'd hear that every couple of years, right? And and so people would kind of move their businesses out of there. Don't do business in California, uh-huh. stuff like that. And then eventually, you know, the almighty dollar wins, and people start moving back into there. And, yeah. Right. And and that's kind of one of these situations where, hey, here's a win-win. We have somebody that's kind of expendable that can go down there and get destroyed in the destructions, and <laughs> we can stay out of there. No. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of why he was able to do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you've been down there ever since you left, and you never went. You never tried to repent and get back. Oh, I tried. Oh, did you? Yeah, kind of failed miserably. <laughs> what's that? What's that process like? What What are your instructions on how to get back? Like, get back to the FLDS. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Write letters to Warren, like as as often as you feel. Write letters to Lyle. Write letters back, and that's really most of the process. You know, kind of the the behind the scenes is what that paper said. Only think pure thoughts, mm-hmm. pray in everything you do. And, you know, stay away from the wicked world. That's pretty. That's pretty much that in a nutshell. And then the biggest thing is stay in communication with them through letters. Okay. That's that's how they know who's out there and who is actually faithful and who's not. Well, my question is, couldn't you just lie on a piece of paper? Like, your face isn't there. They can't tell if you're lying. So can't you just say, oh, yeah, I have pure thoughts. I've been praying and everything. Ah, da, 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 da. How do they, like, or is it just, is it a human judgment thing where they go, eh, I don't really like them. Let's not leave them. Let's not let them come back. I mean, who knows how they actually decide, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's true. But, and you definitely could lie on paper. But yeah. that kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because it's if you actually believe in the yeah. process and the religion, it's you're shooting yourself in the foot to do that. Yeah, that's true. You're so brave. So I was I was super converted and I believed in all of it. So there's there's no way I was gonna lie on paper. Wow, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and, so, but I didn't I didn't really send any letters either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I just I felt so wicked. Oh. I, I, I moved down here and, and I kick into survival mode. I'm going through hell. I, I lived on a farm. I had right. a horse, right. had a motorcycle, and a four wheeler, and all this stuff. And I, I still have them. Mm. Horses on the other side of L.A. I nice. see them like once a month. And nice. Then I, I have a storage unit with my other stuff in it, <laughs> and it's just. So what? I, I just watched movies. I mean, L.A. is a whole other part of the world. Like from Colorado City to the farm to L.A. Yeah, that's a that's huge. That's a big jump into the real world. It was, and I just I was I was very much alone, very much alone. I had just I just worked and stay. I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat down here for probably two years because everything we on the farm was we grew it. We uh, grew it. It was organic. We had five meals a day, mm-hmm. just the best food in the world. And then I come down here and people talk about great food and it's like greasy and unhealthy. And I'm just, I, I can't do it. You know, I eat, I ate to stay alive. That's about it. Wow. Wow. And I'd stay up all night and eventually it, it kind of came to a head. Um, well, there's, there's a couple things that happened. I, I went and splurged on a whole bunch of recording equipment and I started recording songs. Mm-hmm. I played guitar and then I was, my mindset was super interesting. I thought, I don't want to get addicted to anything while I'm out here that I will have to give up when I move back. 
Okay. And the first thing on that list was snowboarding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to do anything like that that I would get addicted to mm. that I would have to give up when I came back. And my my brother had always my older brother had always talked about martial arts and stuff like that. So after being down here for three months, I finally broke down and thought, you know what? I'm I'm gonna look up a jujitsu place. Mm. So I Google Google Maps jujitsu and there's this place like five miles away from where I was, three to five miles. So I bit the bullet. I don't even know. I don't think it was that exact time. I looked it up like a week before and then debated. And right. Should I, should I, should I? And I eventually went over there and I just walked in and like it, completely in survival mode. Like I, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. And met this man there and his wife. His name was Kevin Howell. Um, Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Wow. Shout out to him. Yeah. Amazing guy. Um, I walk in there and I say, you know, he, I'm like, yeah, I want to, what's, what, what's the scoop? How do I do this? And so he basically says, I'll, I'll work with you for 30 minutes here and you can be here one month for free and stuff. And wow. so he, I trained with him a little bit and then he's like, okay, so I'll kind of like to get to know the people I'm, mm. you know, like, that, that come here that I work with. And he's like, so where are you from? I'm like Utah. He's like, oh, okay. You Mormon? I'm like Mormon-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, are you FLDS? What? How do you know? Oh, man. I, it it blew my mind. Right. I, it's like kind of the first person non-business related that I had talked to wow. being down here. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, I actually am. Wow. And he's like, that is so cool. I've always wanted to meet one of you guys. Wow. Oh, man, I'm going to have so many questions for you. <laughs> and here I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. How many moms you got? You know, yeah. how many, you know all, this stuff, all this stuff that I wouldn't, I was not going to answer. I right. just, I'd heard that my whole life. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And he's like, is it true that you guys believe the scriptures exactly like they're written? Wow. And I was like, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. He's like, that is so fascinating to me. Wow. And that's the only question he ever asked me. Wow, good for him. Um, for for you know years later when I actually got more comfortable and mm. you know, but I ended up training with him for a few years, kind of off and on. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, I had a hard time being, I don't know, disciplined. I I would say I I had a lot of. Looking back at it, yeah, I'm probably going through depression at the time, right? It's okay. just, it's, it was super hard. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I still, I still, well, I started college a few years back. Since I started college, it's been really hard for me to right. train. Yeah. But I still basically have a membership there. I go train there a lot. So, oh, wow. I still see them a lot. Good for you. So, so you're able to find hobbies outside of farming or, you know, your work with electrician, electricity and stuff like that. So yeah, that was the first one. That, yes. That, that's probably key. That's probably something I want everybody to hear here is, um, if you are leaving or have left, find a hobby. Like yeah, easier, easier said than done. True. <laughs> very true. But yes, very much, very much. Find something that interests you and do it. Throw yourself into it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if you feel this, if you feel this like super low emotion, um, use that. Like I, the only way I can do that, like I, I recorded a lot of songs mm. just be, from this super low emotion mm. that I've never been able to duplicate. Right. Like right. I, that's that's what kind of drove me to record, and then now you know I have those memories and that yeah. stuff. And it got me through a difficult time. Wow! Wow! That's good for you. Um, so let's do the, where are you now? You're, you're in Long Beach, like you said. You're, yes. You're still working for that same company. What, what else are you doing with your life? I'm not working for the same company. Oh. I, I mean, doing the same thing. Same thing. Okay. That's right. That's right. Just, I'm, I'm kind of like a freelance doing what I was doing before. Okay. So, because we built the machines, there's nobody else that does it. Oh. So it's kind of like this unique opportunity, especially for a student. <clears throat> so... Um, I when I first moved down here, I was working for a company that owned one of those machines. It went for about eight months. They went out of business and sold to a large corporation out of Seattle or Ellensburg, Washington. Okay. And I was part of the package when they sold that. It's like, hey, we have a mechanic. They gave me an offer. Mm-hmm. I went worked for them. They they paid super well, but I was working you know sixty to seventy hours a week. Mm-hmm. Which you know for a for a big kid that was great. You know like work you are used to working anyways yeah yeah i don't i don't have anything else to do on the weekend anyways right so um but eventually after after two years it started feeling like you know i've been plateaued i I learned everything i could Um, we had some we had some other machines in there too that i worked with them learned everything i could about them pretty much uh and then then i felt plateaued and i was like i i i have to do school Okay. I want to do school finally, I, you know, and so I I quit them after two years, started my own thing freelancing, okay, and went over and started in community college, Long Beach City College. Wow, good for you. So, what are you studying? <clears throat> Electrical engineering. Oh wow how 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 long is that program? That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it's four and a half years, pretty much. How much longer do so, you think you have? I should graduate next spring. Wow, that's coming I, up. I think I think I'll have another. I'll probably do another semester after that. You know, but they only walk in the spring, so. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Good for you. Congratulations. <clears throat> that's awesome. Well, thanks. So I usually like to end with words of motivation. Um, we kind of got pretty good, deep motivational so far. But any last words on people who are here listening that are struggling and or have left a polygamous group? Yeah. So. So really, the hardest person on yourself is yourself. Agreed. Like you, we're so hard on ourselves and there's so much good and so much beauty in the world that I don't, if, if you just look outside yourself and look around at the world and realize, look, this is a beautiful place. And not only that, you know, those people that you look at you look at them and say, you know, they have their stuff figured out. They're, they're an amazing person. It's like they have their demons too. We're all in the same boat. Yep. And so somehow they they have these same demons you have and yet they have their life figured out and they're happy. Mm. And you can find that happiness in yourself. It's there all the time. It really is there all the time. You just look for it. It's, it's there. I love it. Love it. So, Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you very much.